1: The first of a new twice weekly series of plays based on the short stories of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, dramatized by Michael Hardwick, with Carlton Hobbes as Sherlock Holmes and Norman Shelley as Dr. Watson. And now, here is Dr. Watson to introduce the case of The Dancing Man. Uh, thank you, sir. <clears throat> I have told elsewhere of the joyful return of my friend, Mr. Sherlock Holmes, three years after his supposed death struggle with the late Professor Moriarty at the Reichenbach Falls. After his restless wanderings in the East and on the continent, he seemed content to be at anchor once more in the haven of our former lodging at 221B Baker Street, where our landlady, Mrs. Hudson, proceeded as usual to spoil him while continuing to deplore his irregular and untidy habits. But it was not long before he had become absorbed again in his practice as a consulting detective, ready for any investigation that gave promise of stretching his remarkable powers to their (laughs) limits. I see him now, one morning, sitting in silence, his long thin back, curved over a chemical vessel, in which he was brewing a particularly malodorous product. His head was sunk upon his breast. <laughs> he looked, from my point of view, like a strange, lank bird with dull grey plumage and a black topknot. Oh, Watson, you do not propose to invest in South African securities? home. On earth, you know that? Confess yourself utterly taken aback. I am. I ought to make you sign a paper to that event. Why? Because in five minutes you'll say it's all so absurdly simple, Holmes. I shall say nothing of the kind. We shall see. <laughs> there, that's done. Now, Watson, you've heard me remark before that it is not difficult to construct a series of inferences, each dependent upon its predecessor and each simple in itself. Frequently. If after doing so, one simply knocks out all the central inferences, Convince one's audience with the starting point of the conclusion, one may produce a startling, though possibly a meretricious effect. So I don't quite see what all this is about. Now, it is no. not really difficult, by an inspection of the groove between your left forefinger and thumb, to feel sure you did not propose to invest your small capital in the goldfield. field. What is? I don't see any connection. When you returned from the club last night, you had chalk between your left forefinger and thumb. Well, what I are mean? it? I put it there a steady me cue You never paid billiards except with Thurston. Now, you told me four weeks ago that Thurston had an option on some South African property which would expire in a month and which he desired you to share with it. Ah. Yet your checkbook is locked in my drawer and you haven't asked for the key. Mm-hmm. Therefore, my dear Watson, you do not propose to invest your money in this honor. <laughs> Uh, it's simple, Holmes. Um, quite so.
2: <laughs>
1: Every problem becomes very childish once it's explained to you. Well, here's an unexplained one on this piece of paper. So what do you make of that? Well, what on earth is it, it looks like a row of little men. Uh, one of them waving flags, you Looks very supposed to be dancing. Huh? <laughs> Child is all right, Holmes it's a child's drawing of a line of dancing men. Childish enough to terrify a young woman half out of her wits. And to bring her husband post-haste all the way from Norfolk to consult me.
2: Oh, I
1: fancy that's him on our stair now. Come in. Mr.
2: Cubitt, sir.
1: Thank you, Mrs. Hudson. Mr. Holmes? I am Holmes. This is my friend and colleague, Dr. Watson. Oh, uh, how do you do, gentlemen? How do you do, Mr. Gibbett, sit here. Uh, thank you. Ah, I see you have my dancing men there. What you make of them, Mr. Holmes? At first sight, a, a childish prank. Prank? You have my letter, Mr. Holmes. I tell you, it's frightening my wife to death. So I understand. I think for my friend's benefit, you'd better have your whole story from the beginning, Mr. Gibbett. Well, I'm not much of a story dealer, you know. A countryman born and bred. There's no family better known than the Cubits in the whole of Norfolk. That's quite a bridling thought for five centuries. Quite right so. And I understand that you'd remained a bachelor until only recently. That's right. I came up to London for the Golden Jubilee last year. A young american woman, near those kids, I stayed in my boarding heart. Well, to cut a long story short, before the month was up... I was as much in love as a man could be. Married her at the registry office and, uh, took her back to Whittingford. Congratulations. Well, uh, some thought I was mad, I don't doubt. A man of good old family taking a wife, an American as that, without knowing a blessed thing about her family or her past. But if you saw her, you'd understand why I did it. Did she tell you nothing about her background? Oh, yes. Yes, she said. I beg you never to ask about my past. But you take me, Elton, she says. You take a woman who has done nothing that she'd be, personally be ashamed of. But you'll have to be content with my word for it. If you can't, then go back to Norfolk and get all about me. That was very straightforward. Well, there was no going back for me. I took her on those terms. That was just a year ago. We've been very happy. Blissfully. Until just the other morning we were coming back from an early morning ride. Hunt, he's the stable lad, took our horses, and Elsie ran on ahead into the hut. I'll
2: tell this breakfast in ten minutes, darling. Right,
1: Alright. Ah, good boy. Let's get him for a month. You can take him now, hon. Huh? I sir. Hey, what are all, what are all these chalk marks? Come here. Nothing to do with me, sir. So you don't suppose the mistress or I go around choking? Hmm, what are they? Sort of little men dancing. You don't suppose we go around chalking such things on window ledges, <laughs> do you me, sir. Or Saunders or Cook? Oh, come on now. i can't eat you for it. It wasn't me. Oh, very well. Only giddy rubbed off. And I don't want to see any more of it, do you understand?
2: I think I'll play to Thanks. Ah. silly young goat. Oh, hey, me? No, darling, not you. I um, think <laughs> Thanks. No, that young hunt.
1: No, he's not all that bright, still. I like a liar. Is that what he means? Chalking rubbish of a willy ledge. Rude rubbish. Well, sounds sort of scribble. Little men for dancing about. <gasps> Idling his time. A little chalk in his hand, I suppose. Uh, but uh, on the house, it's too bare. <gasps> Darling! Fonders. <laughs> Pondus, quick! The mistress is taking she didn't uh, injure herself, I hope? No. No, she was round again in a few moments. Tried to make out of was just a disease, spell. Uh, that long gallop on an empty stomach, you know. Yes. I was able to go on with her breakfast, and I didn't think much more about it. But after the second time, the following morning, that day, yesterday, Mr. Holmes, uh, uh, just after breakfast this time... Went out for a little stroll in the garden together. Quite ourselves again. Until we reached the sundial. That's where we found this paper I sent you. The second lot of dancing men, or whatever you call them. I picked it up and showed it to her without thinking. Thought she was going to fade away again. On the spot. Great heavens. Mr. Cubitt, these dancing men you found on the sundial... Can you possibly say whether the drawing is the same as the one you saw on the windowsill? That crossed my mind in the train, but I, I can't say. Only just a glance at the first door, you know. Oh, understandably. Tell me, have you heard of any strangers in your neighborhood lately? Yes. Strangers? I don't think so. I presume it's a very quiet place. Any fresh face would cause comment. Oh, bonjour. Then I suggest you return to North. Can't you advise me, then? I am doing so. Go home, take an exact copy of any fresh dancing men that may appear, and make discreet inquiries as to any strangers in the neighborhood. Do you reckon these drawings add up to something? Evidently. If their meaning is purely arbitrary, then it may be impossible for us to solve it. On the other hand, if it's systematic, I've no doubt we shall get to the bottom of it. Oh, good day, Mr. Cubitt. If there are any press developments, I shall always be ready to run down and see you in Norfolk. If that's your advice, Mr. Holmes, then, well, good day, gentlemen. Good day. Ah, Mr. Cubitt. Come in, won't you? Thank you, Dr. Watson. Mr. Holmes, I'm sorry to return like this and in less than a week, but this business is getting on my nerves. Have there been further events? There yes, certainly have. Oh. Look at these. Three more sets of these figures. Thank you. Ah. All different, oh? Excellent. Excellent. Great and there's everything in order, Mr. Hughes. Well, when I got back to Widdlingthorpe after seeing you the other day, the first thing I saw was a fresh crop of dancing men, full on the stable door. That was this one. Did you rub out the mask after copying
2: them? Certainly.
1: Even what else did you see them? But two mornings later, there was this fresh inscription in their place. Capital. Our material is really accumulated. Uh, uh, three days later, a message was left. Called on paper on the sundial again. Uh, this one. I bet and all this work was being done by night. So last night I determined to sit up in my study, in the dark, with a revolver in my hand. Well, it was about two in the morning. And nothing had happened, and so when I heard the study door opening and quietly
2: behind me, her... <gasps> Elsie, what the? Oh, Sylvia, you scared me sir. What are you doing? Why, you're fully dressed. Yes. And a gun. What are you doing,
1: more likely? Well,
2: I guess I couldn't sleep. I, I came to look for a book.
1: Without being a light.
2: There's the movie. Now, see here,
1: Elsie. This has gone far enough. If you didn't... Ah! is it? What are you looking at? By heavens, there's someone out there. Isn't there?
2: No. No, there's no one. I, I just thought... There's
1: somebody there. Well, I'm going to get him, and we'll have this out. Oh,
2: no, you mustn't. Get out of my way, please. I won't. Oh, yes, you will. Oh, you yes. I won't let you. Oh. Take of me. For heaven's <laughs> sake, I'm asking you own go. No, darling, I know, but I won't let you go. Do you hear me? I sha not let you go.
1: She held on to me for all she was worth. At last I got here, but by the time I got outside, there was no one to be seen. She said she'd stop me going out because I might come to some harm. But for the moment, I thought the truth was that she was afraid of him coming to some harm. To me, by God, he would have done. Is that what you believe? Uh, No, Mr. Holmes. There's a tone in my wife's voice and a look in her eyes which forbids doubt. And I'm sure that it was indeed my own safety that she had in her mind. How long can you stay in London? I must be going now. Couldn't leave Elsie alone there at night for anything. Neither would I in your place. If you could have stopped, I might possibly have been able to return to Norfolk with you in a day or two. But I must apply myself to these singular pieces of paper for somewhere. I think it's very likely that I shall then be able to pay you a visit and throw some light upon your most interesting case. Oh, it says here in the paper, Lee's
2: Watson. Watson. Oh, sorry, sorry. Thank you, Dr. Watson. Now, if Mr. Holmes will kindly let me have the table. Oh, I don't him. What again? But he hasn't eaten since yesterday. No, I know. Know, I know. You know what? I'll come down to the kitchen and eat mine there. But, but Dr. Watson, after you, Mr. Watson. What? What? I help oh. Uh,
1: you there a train to North Walsham tonight? I'll look for you. Um, what night is it? Wednesday, Wednesday. of course. Uh, I just wondered. If you've been working two days on those messy drawings. Time seems to mean so little. It might have been Thursday by now for oh, all. Miss you know. Watson. Uh, yes. Here we are, North Waltham. What time? Uh, no, the last one just left. Confound it. If only this new letter from Kubrick had arrived sooner this evening, we could have caught that train. This affair has gone far enough. More dancing men? You, you found something, then? That our presence is most urgently needed. Yes, Mrs. Hudson? Is there an answer to my table, then?
2: It is, sir. The boy's waiting, if you should wish to reply.
1: Well, I uh, very much doubt if it should be... Ah, Watson, mm-hmm. this settles it. We must get there without delay. But is this in danger? I fear so. Well, why not warn them by telegram, the, the, the boys? No, now. no, no. The place is too remote. It won't be delivered tonight. Our only hope is to take the very first train in the morning. Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock. Oh, Martin, sir. Inspector Martin. Marble Constabulary. how I you do?
2: What?
1: How could you have heard? I mean, the crime was only committed at three o'clock this morning. For what happened, Inspector? Quickly, please. Shot. Over. Oh, no. Mr. and Mrs. He's dead and she's.
2: No. Oh, no.
1: I anticipated the crime. I came in the hope of preventing it. You did? Then, you mean you got some evidence? I have. The evidence for the dancing men. The dancing? Inspector Martin. Will you associate me in your investigation, or would you prefer me to act independently? Why, oh, I'd be very proud to feel I was working with you, Mr. Holmes. Well, in that case, I should be glad to examine the house and hear the evidence without further delay. Well, no. The body's in the study, just as it was found. Mrs. Cooper's been taken upstairs, and the doctor's with her. But she don't hold out much hope, I hear. Well, if you'll follow me, gentlemen. Right. Well, the question seems to be, he her, and then himself... Or did she shoot him and try to do away with herself? Uh, he was lying here dead, just as you see him. And she was over near the window, where you see all that blood. The revolver lay about midway between them. Is was the only revolver in the room? Yes. Two chambers have been fired, and the window is shut. Is that how it was found? Yes, sir. Mrs. King the cook. will depose to all that. Yes,
2: sir. Definitely two shots, I heard. One louder. Which was the louder, Mrs. King? The first. It must have been to awoke me.
1: Might what you heard have been two shots fired simultaneously, followed by a single shot which sounded much less loud by comparison?
2: Oh am I couldn't say it to that, sir.
1: No, 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 quite. Uh, what did you do?
2: Oh, I come downstairs.
1: Were any lights on?
2: I don't the candle.
1: But how did you know which room to approach?
2: By the smell.
1: Smell? No one said anything to me
2: about the smell. The smoke from the gun. As soon as I reached the hall, I could smell it. Coming from the study. So I went in.
1: Was the door open?
2: A bit. I went in, and and there they was. The poor master and mistress, lion.
1: Try not to expect yourself, Mrs. King. Mrs. King, only one more question. Yes, sir. Was there no light in the study when you entered?
2: Only the candle.
1: The one you were carrying.
2: And the other one on the table near the window.
1: Now, madam, you say there was a candle burning close to the window. Was the window open or shut?
2: Shut, sir.
1: You didn't shut it yourself?
2: No, sir. I touched nothing. The candle
1: stood there then, and the window was shut. I don't quite see the significance of this home. Nor do I, doctor. Here we have a revolver with two shots fired. One bullet in Kirby's heart, and the other lies near to his wife's brain. The only question is... Can you account for the bullet which so obviously struck the bottom of the window frame here? Eh?
2: Yes.
1: Where? By George, Mr. Holmes. However, however did you come to think that? Because I looked for it. Then three shots were fired, but only two of them from this revolver. Holmes, so, you mean to say there was a third person? Undoubtedly. Mrs. King's evidence told me that. How on earth... She smelt cordite fumes as she came down into the hall. Some draft from in here must have been necessary to blow them from the room so quickly. The window must have been opened for a time, though not long enough to extinguish the candle. As I conceded, a third person stood outside the window and fired in. A shot was fired at him and struck the bottom of the window frame. Then who shut the window? Mrs. Cubitt. But she was...
0: A woman's
1: instinct, Inspector. Shots were fired. She sprang to the window and shut it for protection. what's the I Hello? What's this? That oh her handbag. Found lying near her. No message or anything. What? Plenty of cash. So I see. Yes. Twenty fifty pound notes.
2: A thousand pounds?
1: It must be preserved as it is. It will figure in the trial. What do you make of it, sir? Now, there are several points of this problem which I've not been able to explain to you yet, and this must remain one of them. But we must act quickly. How, sir? Firstly, by searching the flower bed outside this window, where I have no doubt we shall find the spent case of the third cottage. And then, Mr. Martin, is there any inn in this neighborhood known as Eldridge's? Eldridge's? Uh, Eldridge's. No, I can't... Hold on. There's an Eldridge's farm over to East Ruston. Is that a lonely part? Oh, very, sir. Ah. Then perhaps they'll not yet have heard of all that happened here during the night. Very likely not, not sir capital. Now, will you have the goodness to instruct one of the stable lads to saddle a horse and go there at once with a message which I forgive him? Well, I don't see you. Now, Watson, a piece of paper from that bureau, please. All right. right. There you are. Thank you. Now then. What? Abe Slaney? Oh, farm? Holmes, who's Abe Slaney? You'll find out soon enough. And, uh, Inspector,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I think you'd do well to telegraph for an escort. As you may have to convey a particularly dangerous prisoner to the county jail. Really? The boy who takes this note could no doubt forward your (laughs) telegram. As you see, Watson, this, uh, this is not my usual form of communication.
2: Johnson, <laughs> then. Now, Holmes, what the... I thought we'd wait in this
1: morning room because it has a very pleasant view of the drive. Oh,
2: it's
1: very pretty, I'm sure. Well, Only make I... yourself comfortable, gentlemen. And while we await the outcome of my dispatch to East Rostrum, I think I can help you to pass the time in an interesting and profitable manner. To you, friend Watson, I owe every atonement for having allowed your natural curiosity to remain so long unsatisfied. Thank you, To Mr. Martin, the whole incident may appeal as a remarkable professional study. <laughs> remarkable the word, eh, Doctor? <laughs> <laughs> I am fairly familiar with all forms of secret writing, and I am myself I the author of a trifling monograph upon the subject in which I analyze 160 separate ciphers, but the use of these dancing men is entirely new to me, and has been invented, apparently, to conceal that the message is being conveyed by giving the impression of random sketches by some child. I see. Now, as you are aware, E is the most common letter in the English alphabet. The figure most common in all these troops of dancing men was this little fellow with legs apart and left arm upright. Operatic tenor taking a high oh, seat. Very good, Watson. Only it's me in this case. <laughs> <laughs> now speaking, Rusty, the order in which the other letters of the English alphabet tend to predominate is
2: T, A, O, I, N, X. And
1: so I have two messages complete. The first of which reads: "And here, Abe Flaney at Elvish's. Now, I had every reason to suppose that this Slaney was an American. Well, how is that, huh? Abe is an American contraction. Mrs. Cubitt's American origin and her reticence about her past suggested that there was some criminal secret involved. I therefore cabled to the New York Police Bureau asking whether the name of Abe Slaney was known to them and received the reply, Abe Slaney, the most dangerous crook in Chicago.
2: Why, George?
1: And on the very evening, this answer arrived. Toobit sent me the last of his dancing men messages. It read, Elsie, prepare to meet thy God." I knew there wasn't a moment to lose. Unfortunately, Watson, we did lose our moment. And reached here to find that the worst had already occurred.
2: Yes. Hello,
1: who's this? Good. If I'm not mistaken, Abe Flaney. What? What's he doing here? I invited him. Well, he doesn't know it, does Hmm. Powerful-looking gentleman, isn't he? Hmm. I've given instructions that he should be directed immediately to this room. So, I suggest we take our positions behind the door. You need your handcuffs, Inspector. Very good. But you can leave the talk to me. Alvin! Alvin. Take him! Yeah. Okay. So somebody got the drop on each lady at laugh. But who are you guys? Where's Elsie? Ain't hey in his chair with him. Uh, Mrs. Hilton Kilbert is seriously wounded. What? She may die. Are you crazy? He shot at me and I shot at him. If you think I'd have touched the hair of Elsie's head, she was mine. Who did this cubic guy think he was taking her away from me? He did not take her, sir. Uh, she broke away from our country and you when she discovered the kind of man you are. Uh, but you had to dog her steps to England and threaten her. Well, say you've caused the death of an innocent man and driven his wife to attempt suicide. Suicide? Holmes? <laughs> now I know you're crazy. Say, if she's hurt so bad, how did she write this? Telling me to get over here first. Huh? I wrote it. <laughs> Look, Elsie's par, old Patrick, invented this dancing man code, and nobody outside the gang knew it. What one man can invent, another can discover. Her father was in the gang with you, you say? Sure, he was the boss. Now, you know what's in her past. I also know that she expected you to come here last night and had a thousand pounds ready to offer you if you'd leave her and her husband in peace. But he was waiting here, too. Wasn't he, Plainy? Look, it it, it was self-defense, I tell you. He shot at me first and hit the window frame. You shot that through the open window simultaneously and killed him. A servant thought both shots were one. You fled. Mrs. Kubrick sprang to the window and shut it, then picked up her husband's gun and turned it on herself. From remorse, I dare say, for bringing him to his death. If she recovers, she may yet have to face a charge of murdering her husband. What? The least that you owe her is to make it clear to the whole world that he was in no way directly or indirectly responsible. But his tragic end. Okay. I ask nothing better. I guess you'll throw the cup. All right, you can take me. I won't try anything. I guess I've done enough. I'll bring in a couple of my constables then. Mr. Holmes, I only hope if ever I have an important case again, I'll have the good fortune to have you by my side. Thank you, Inspector. The credit shall be yours. For myself, there has been the satisfaction of a singular inquiry. As to my friend Watson, <laughs> um, I think that I provided you with something unusual for your notebook. Yes, indeed. <laughs> then come along. 340 is our train. I fancy we should be back in Baker Street in time for dinner. Dancing Men by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was adapted for radio by Michael Hardwick. The part of Sherlock Holmes was played by Carlton Hobbs and Dr. Watson by Norman Shelley. Hilton Cubitt, Humphrey Morton. Elsie Cubitt, Anne Murray. Mrs. Hudson, Janet Morrison. Inspector Martin, Fred Ewell. Mrs. King, Janet Hitchman. Abe Slaney, John Bentley. Hunt, John Gray. The production was by Graham Gould. The next play in the series, A Case of Identity, can be heard at 8.15 on Thursday on Radio 2.